Hi there, skating fans. Welcome to another edition of the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. All champions contribute to the sport of figure skating, but only a few change the sport in some significant way. In this edition of the Alumni Blog, it's Don Jackson's turn to describe his skating life before, during, and after his historic Triple Lutz back in 1962. Let's join Don as he and Debbie Wilkes share some outstanding memories. Don, you have had such an illustrious career. And I'm certainly proud to say that I've witnessed a lot of it firsthand. Some of the early years, we were team members. Uh, I think back to how you started. Give us, give us an example. You grew up in Oshawa, close to Toronto. Um, what was that like as a child? Well, when I was in Oshawa, uh, we were fortunate that... Uh, we had a, a very good uh, skating club. The Oshawa Skating Club uh, was one of the larger clubs in Canada at the time, and the president of the skating club was uh, Dick McLaughlin, who became a president of the uh, Canadian Figure Skating Association at that time. And uh, we had uh, in that cl- in that club everybody was competing uh, in in the Canadians in every single event and so they got a, a, a warrior cup or something because they had someone in every event that was competing now when I started I uh, was in uh, I was only eight years old and I was uh, in a school carnival in those days it, the weather was a little bit cooler and we had skating rinks outside and uh, I uh, didn't have any skates and I some skates and uh, went out and my mother made a costume for me and I was a snowman, won the prize for the best costume and then they had races and I couldn't skate and I just mentioned casually to my mother I wanted to learn how to skate and go into the races and uh, she it was just a passing thing and anyhow in the uh, summertime we were I was swimming in the Oshawa Creek which you wouldn't do now and um, met uh, someone that was in the skating club and they mother had mentioned about my enjoying the skating and he said well why don't you join the skating club he was a member of the club and so we joined the club and uh, because dick mclaughlin was a, a judge as well he got uh, uh, ed corelli who was from uh, hungary he was second in the world championships to dick button in 1948 uh, and uh, he was training in uh, England uh, with uh, Arnold Gerschweller because uh, w- he was in pairs as well. He won pairs. He was from uh, Hungary. And in those days, you weren't supposed to leave behind Aaron Curtin. But he uh, came over to Canada, and uh, I was his first student. No one else would sign. My mother signed me up, not knowing whether he was a good coach or not. And uh, after the first week he was there, he was book solid. He was wonderful. And he gave me a very, very good foundation. Boy, I didn't know that part of your story. I mean, I knew about the Oshawa Skating Club 
and uh, that you started uh, around the age of eight, but I didn't know who your first coach was. Isn't that incredible? What? When did you figure out that, that maybe you had some kind of ambition as far as um, moving along in the sport? Well, I guess uh, it was because of uh, Eddie Corelli. Uh, he was telling me, uh, don't worry, we have to do the school figures. They counted 60% in competitions in, in our day. And uh, <clears throat> so it was very important to do those. And being so light, I couldn't see my tracings. And Mr. Brune, Mr. Uh, uh, Ed Corelli, he told me, don't worry about that. Just work on the, the form and the flow. Uh, and uh, he looked up at my mother in the audience uh, watching, and uh, he was thinking, gee, she's working so hard, and we're, Don's not doing, you know, not passing some of these tests, because what happened, I tried my first test, uh, and on the seventh try, I passed it. <laughs> Most people would stop skating, but I had a good foundation then, because on my second t- test, I passed it on the fourth try. <laughs> so I certainly did have a good foundation because I spent so many hours on the circle eights and, and the basic uh, inside and outside eights, forward and backwards. And I think that's a big part of my skating. Uh, yes? You know, it's it's funny. You think back to all the hours. I mean, as a pair skater, I didn't have to compete in figures, but I still enjoyed doing them and recognized, just as you've stated, how important they were for the foundation of all the rest of your skating. And um, it's kind of sad. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it's a little bit sad that we don't have them anymore, or at least not to compete Well, with. that's true, I- no, I agree with you there, and uh, uh, there's a, a lot of things you can learn, the control mainly, and the freedom of movement. I think that's what the figures taught me, and I never um, realized how important they were and how they could help my free skating until many years later. Um, the um, figures, I guess, uh, I was skating with uh, Ed Corelli for four years, and he was the one that got me doing the the lutz jump. He was a young man, and the older coaches were watching him push me around the ice. He'd let my hand go, and I'd do a lutz jump or a half a lutz. And uh, I wasn't afraid of the speed. And uh, I, all the coaches uh, were thinking, oh, look at that young guy pushing that little boy around. Well, <laughs> many years later, Ed Ed told me that he wasn't pushing me around. He was giving me the rhythm, the rhythm for the skating, and that's what I developed while I was training with Ed. Uh, he, uh, our arena burned down, and I had to move to Ottawa, and I worked with Otto Gold, who was uh, uh, very good in, in the school figures. He taught Barbara Ann Scott uh, when she first started doing the figures, and then Barbara Ann moved on. But uh, I learned a great deal from uh, Otto Gold, and uh, I was just very fortunate that I had good coaching. Yeah, you certainly had some outstanding coaches, even moving forward. Um, Were you not with Pierre Brunet and then Sheldon Galbraith? Yes, after 
after I uh, left Auto Gold, I uh, went to uh, New York City and worked with Pierre Bruni because I lost my sponsor. I wanted to change. I was getting bored with my skating there because I was the only one that was the top skater and mm-hmm. there was no one to look up to. So I moved on and uh, my sponsors uh, had me go to uh, New York City and uh, I liked uh, Pierre Brunet and uh, he had Carol Heiss there and also auto, or the the uh, the uh, free skaters from uh, uh, France. It was uh, Alain Gilletti and Alain Calamel and they were good friends of mine. We stayed in a hotel there all together at the same hotel and uh, just across the road was uh, the the rink uh, where we skated at the New York Skating Club and I learned a great deal there and had Carol Heiss and had good people to look up to and I was very very inspired and uh, then uh, I, I found that Mr. Brunet was experimenting a lot on uh, different things and uh, He'd try one thing and then, no, that wouldn't work, and he tried something else. But he had gone through this himself. And with Bar- with uh, Carol Heiss there, uh, we were really inspired by one another. Uh, after the Olympics uh, in 1960, I went with Pierre Brunet to the Olympics in Squaw Valley, and um, I came third in that competition, but I didn't really have... Uh, Sheldon, or I didn't have uh, Pierre Brunet there because uh, he was busy with the American skaters. He had Carol Heiss, and he had uh, uh, all three uh, American skaters that were competing in the ladies' singles. So um, Mr. Uh, Galbraith was the team coach. He uh, was there because uh, Skate Canada or the Canadian Figure Skating Association at that time had him as the coach for the whole team. And he spoke to Pierre at the very beginning of the uh, um, Olympics and said, if you're busy, I'll be happy to work with John because, uh, you know, he's uh, a Canadian. I'm the, the coach for the session. When, so they shook hands and uh, uh, Sheldon Galbraith helped me, and uh, I was very impressed because he had Wendy Griner, who was a great skater, and uh, she had skated with him f- from the very beginning. And uh, Wendy, uh, in fact, in that co- she was second in the competition in uh, the world's uh, when I won in '62. But uh, he would take a coin and flip the coin to see who was going to be the first one to skate outside, because it was the Olympics, outside in the morning. And before the sun really got the ice softened, the second skating, the second person would have been me because of the way the, the coin flipped. And uh, I got the better ice. But I was impressed because he could have just said, okay, Don, I'll take you. And then he'll, he, I'll take my own uh, skater right after you or the ice was good. But that's the type of person he was. And so when I, uh, after the uh, Olympics, uh, I stayed for another year with Pierre, but everyone had turned professional. 
uh, Carol Heiss had left, and here I was again, the top skater, and I was just marking time. And uh, then they had the plane crash and the cancellation of the World Championships in 1961. So I was uh, uh, wanting to stay in competitions, but, you know, it was pretty expensive to, to be there, so I did want to change too, and we went to uh, Toronto, which was close to home, and I took from Pierre Brunet, and, uh, or excuse me, I took from Sheldon Galbraith, and uh, he was wonderful with me, and I, he took me right to the World Championships uh, when I won. You've um, experienced, life. Don, you've experienced so many uh, collaborations and uh, experiences, and I, I think it's a testament to the old story about if you want to get better in tennis, you got to play with somebody who's better than you are. <laughs> and you have to be in a good environment. Yes, yes, for sure. Well, I'm thinking back to 1960, and you had just arrived in Vancouver to the World Championships. This was just following uh, Squaw Valley Olympics. And it was my first time on the world team, and I remember my, my head nearly fell off or exploded because being around you, Carol Heiss, the Jelenics, um, and so many international skaters that were already world-renowned. I, I remember being totally in awe of everyone, but particularly you being on the Canadian team and sort of being the leader at that time. Did you ever have, I mean, being from a small town, did you ever have feelings of do I really belong here? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, I, I went out in the competitions and I knew approximately where I would be in the, in the competition when I looked at the other skaters. But the most important thing for me uh, was to, to skate my best. And um, if I skated well or the best I could do, that would be fine. If I uh, only fell once or twice, that was pretty good. <laughs> I used to go to comp. And, but the reason I, I didn't mind falling, I, I practiced a lot falling, because when I went to competitions or skated shows, I put everything in the number that I was supposed to have in. And maybe they weren't that consistent. And I took chances in the early years. But, uh, you know, I, I put them in because, you know, you have to have, take a calculated risk. And uh, I, I just know that uh, I never really worried about whether I came first, second, third, or fourth, or fifth. Because if I skated well, I was happy. You know, there you taught me a lesson in um, my our travels as teammates. I remember I I think I asked you one time why did you take the chance by putting difficult elements in a show program, and you said something to the effect that okay, you learn the element 
But then you have to learn how to do it in a program. And that really stuck with me. And certainly uh, one example of why your technique was so superb. So thank you for that little well, lesson. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I, you know, in our day, we didn't have all the competitions they have today. We had, when we got up to the top, we had just a Canadians, maybe a North Americans or Olympics, and a world. And that was it. We didn't have any of these other competitions. And when I first started skating, I wanted to skate in front of the public. And, and uh, I used to do comedy so that I would be able to skate in these little carnivals because um, it, they needed boys and there weren't too many of us out there competing at the time or figure skating. And so... Um, I, they would say yes to me because I wasn't competing with the girls. And uh, the, the reason they wanted me most of the time was because of my comedy. It's all, it was always nice to have something funny. Uh, I think it was the comedy they were trying to be, uh, be funny with. <laughs> it wasn't me. But uh, every time I went to those competitions, I was able to sp- skate in front of an audience, and I'd try everything I had in my program. And that's why I'd fall many times. I remember in Lake Placid in the summers when I taught, when I skated there, I'd do my programs. And I found out that the uh, people uh, that were running the uh, spotlights would uh, play with the spotlights so that I'd be jumping into the dark instead of, you know, into the light. And they would have bets on how many times I'd fall in the show. (laughs) I didn't know this until many years later. (laughs) <laughs> so it didn't matter if I fell as long as I was able to get up and you know the more you fall the more you learn because you know how to get up then you know how if you're going to be on balance or off balance and that's what you learn in the school figures too if you do the, the takeoff edge and you know if you're in a good balanced position you know you're going to have a good chance of landing but if you're really off you know you have to maybe sometimes let yourself relax for the landing that you're going to be falling on so you can get up again and continue and not hurt yourself. And those are things I learned in my skating. Well, talking about balance, for sure, and you think about spotlights, I'm sure the audience doesn't realize that if you're jumping uh, in a spotlight, you, you are completely blind as far as where the horizon is and so not surprising it, it's a whole skill unto its own learning to jump in spots well that's true you know and uh, you know when on certain jumps I know when I was in the ice volleys after I competed uh, I, I used the bang boards because that was always level and that, that was the thing that I used to know where I was if I was leaning or straight in the air. And uh, I think all the, the skaters in shows and that use the bang boards. Hopefully there are bang boards for them so that they have the lights there to, to follow. But uh, those are some of the things that, you know, we learn as we, we skate. The tricks of the trade as they say. And and we'll get to your show career, which is another whole story. But before we get there, we have to talk about 1961 
1962. You mentioned 1961 as the um, terrible plane crash that wiped out the U.S. team. I think, were you already in Prague when that happened? I was. And I can't remember if you were no, there at that time. No, I wasn't there. I was in New York training with uh, Pierre Brunet, and uh, I had had a little touch of a flu or something, and so Mr. Brunet said, well, we won't go to, to uh, Prague on the plane now because they have better doctors here in uh, the States. So, you know, we didn't go on that, and... Um, then we heard about the, uh, my mother phoned the lady that I was staying with and uh, said, is, is Don there? And, and the lady said, yes. And that's when we all found out that there was a plane crash and everyone was killed on it. Yeah. And uh, the, the American team, of course, we lost. And I would have been probably on it if Mr. Brunet had had one of his uh, ladies stay an amateur uh, to go into the competitions because he would, they would have been on the American team and I would have probably gone with him. But as it worked out, uh, um, it was, I was fortunate. I, I wasn't on that and I lost all my good friends that I trained with for so many years. It's so sad when I think of, uh, of that. Mm-hmm. I, instead of, we went back to the rink the next, that, uh, day and we skated because we didn't know the competition was going to be canceled. And uh, but we had to train, and the people at the rink wondered if we knew uh, about the, the crash. And uh, then uh, I spent the time uh, after that going to funeral as a pallbearer because uh, Boston was uh, very close to New York, and those were some of my best friends, and they asked me if I could be there. So I, I was there for, for that. It was a sad yeah. time, but uh, some very good right. memories of the people that were with me. Horrible tragedy. We'd been competing at North Americans in Philadelphia immediately prior to that. And I think both the Canadian and U.S. teams flew to New York um, to what's called Idlewilds uh, at that time. That's right. And um, some of us flew the same time as the American team. We were flying on KLM. They were flying on Sabina. And I know um, it was, as you've mentioned, it wasn't the whole Canadian team, but I think it was the pair skaters because our event was first. Um, So we were to arrive in Prague and the Americans were to have been there ahead of us and were not. So horrible, horrible tragedy. However... um, Yeah, I remember... Sorry, Debbie, I remember that uh, uh, the uh, president or of the USFSA and the president of the CFSA, uh, they spoke and the Americans wanted us to uh, to go, it was Ritter Shumway at the time, he was the president of the U.S., wanted us, the Canadians to go with the Americans because they get, could get some more free tickets because of the amount of people that were going on this plane. And uh, uh, our Canadian president, I'm trying to think of his name, uh, but anyhow, he said no. And the reason he said no was because he felt that we Canadians, if we went there, the TV would cover the Americans and not the Canadians as much. 
because they were the American networks that were covering the World Championships. And so he, we, that's why we didn't go uh, on the, the, uh, with the team, with the American team. Boy. Doug uh, Kimple, I think, was quite a was, story. Uh, yes, I think it was Doug Kimple. Yes. Yes, you're right. But then fast forward a year, Don, and uh, we're back in Prague in 1962. And uh, I'm I'm sure you have some pretty strong memories around that one. I sure do. Yes, I yes I do. Uh, I was uh, I guess I was uh, going to compete, and uh, I uh, I was in the school figures, which counted sixty percent. And the first two days when when I skated the figures, um, I did the first four figures. And uh, I was doing quite well the first three, and Mr. Galbraith said, I'm going to go and see Debbie, or uh, Wendy Greiner. And uh, he said, uh, uh, he left me with my last figure to do, and it was a change bracket. And I asked if I could go on the clean ice, and they said, oh, no, no, we need to have you stay on this ice. So it was the end patch, and I thought, well, I'll get the cleaner ice at the end patch, and it was right where the the boards curved, and I mm-hmm. did my three-lobe figure, and I didn't line up the first tracing. My turns were not across on the long axis, so I corrected that, which was good, but every pr- single judge knew that I had made a mistake because it was right out there in black and white. I lost total 30-some-odd points on that one figure, and... Uh, after the next day, when I did the next two, uh, I was 45 points behind totally. But on one figure, I lost 35 points. And uh, so I went into the free skating a way back, and uh, Carol Devine from Czechoslovakia, he was first in the figures and really a nice guy. And anyhow, um, he skated before me. And then uh, when I was going to go out, I spoke to Mr. Galbraith. I said, there's a room for me to pull up because I didn't see how the other skating, skaters skated. I never watched the skaters before me. And uh, he said, Don, there's room at the top. I said, that's all I want to know. And I went out and stood at the starting point, started, took a deep breath, and bang, my music started. And I did my first jump, which was the triple Lutz jump. And then the reason I put in was because uh, I hadn't been falling very much. It was a calculated risk, and I didn't think that the judges or anyone would see me if I made a mistake, just touch my free leg, free foot on the ice, you know, with a toe pick just slightly as it was passing by, or have a quarter of a turn chief. Um, as it worked out, I did a clean. And uh, then the first thing I thought of was, oh, gee, you know, i got to concentrate now. And I couldn't hear the music all the way up the ice, but it didn't matter because my music was playing and that friend, I had gone through it, my, the, the music was my friend, and it took me through the whole program, and fortunately I landed everything clean and uh, ended up uh, at the end, uh, I guess, winning the championship. But we didn't know because we didn't have computers. Uh, someone said to me uh, backstage, we think you won, but we don't know for sure. So, Carl Devine, uh, this was, I, I'm jumping the, the gun a little bit. After I skated, I came off, and I was in the dressing room getting my skates off, 
Carl Devine came in and he said, Don, that's the best skating I've ever seen. He said, you know, I could win that gold medal. And uh, I, I, I said, yeah. And he said, uh, but you know something? If I win it, I'm going to give it to you. And I get a lump in my throat every time I say that because uh, can you imagine 13 years of skating and someone's going to give you something that they've worked their, their lifetime at the time for? I, I just think, could I have done that myself if I was in his situation, his spot? Anyhow, it, they announced uh, backstage with three of us were there and they announced Don Jackson. So I went out. And before I went out, Carl Devine was there to shake my hand. But, you know, if they had announced Carl Devine as a champion, I would have been the first one there to shake his hand. And those are the things. He's the one, one of the competitors that kept me in figure skating all these years because it was something that should be, everybody should have. They should appreciate the enjoyment they should appreciate the uh, what you learn in life, and if I can pass that on by teaching a little bit, uh, that I'm I'm happy. I've done my job. You know, our our sport has created not only some amazing memories but some amazing people too, and uh, that's an absolutely wonderful story. Do you know that I still cannot hear? any um, piece from the Carmen Suite without seeing you skating to it, in my mind. And uh, that's yeah. how powerful <laughs> that that memory was. And I also remember, for me, it was the first time, it was a beautiful new arena, and there were, it was a, a sort of sky blue ceiling that had doves, white doves painted on it. A, a very powerful political statement. I didn't realize it at the time, of yeah. course. But it was also the first rink that I'd seen that had no boards. It was carpeted right up to the ice surface with a little step down, as I recall. Is that your memory, too? That's right. That's Beautiful. right, yeah. And the judges were sitting on the ice. It was, yeah, I remember that. And they had flowers on the, the, the ice around the side. Um, yeah, I remember that. It was wonderful. And, uh, you know, I went back there and I skated uh, in the uh, one of the competitions, the ISU competitions. Um, I guess it was a prog skate competition. And uh, they had an orchestra play come in and they played a piece. And then I skated because amateur. Kids weren't supposed to skate with professionals. <laughs> That's right. But I loved it. Pod has been good to me. But yes, and I do remember the, the rink, and I remember the uh, judges sitting on the ice. And did you know my mother was there, because my sponsor uh, paid for her to be, to be there, and she didn't see my triplets. She closed what? her eyes. And when she heard <laughs> the audience roar, she opened them. <laughs> I can still see the look on your face. You, I was sitting on the carpet with the rest of the Canadian team 
watching you and as you came around the the Lutz was positioned to my right and so when you landed I could see your face and that is just it's it's a picture that I always go to when I think of historic moments in the sport and Canada has created so many of those but boy that triple Lutz was a barn burner wow well um, yeah it was early I guess in in the skating when they did the triples and uh, I, it was 12 years later before they did the game in world or in the international yeah. competitions two, two skaters did it but uh, you know it's changed so much now you know there's there's just the quads now. Skating has been, is fantastic. And uh, I, I just, you know, the techniques, of course, have changed. And the, the skaters, I love what I see. They're just doing a great job. But, uh, you know, I like the, we've, we've got some very fine uh, people who have guided these skaters. Like, uh, I remember, uh, uh, well, there was, what would I say? I'd say uh, some of the numbers, uh, Kurt Browning uh, did Casablanca, and Brian Orser did Somewhere in Time, and uh, I, there's so many things. The uh, River Dance by Shailen Bourne and Victor Kratz, they were, they were numbers that I still remember. I know they weren't all competition numbers, but what I liked in them was... It wasn't just jump, 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 and that's what I see a little bit too much now. I, I, I think it's great to be able to see all that, and I know, sure, I did a triple Lutz, and that's probably would help me uh, win a world championship, but I think that there, there has to be more um, in the program, that the, not that there isn't, but the judges have to have more of a chance to give more credit to the artistic part of their skating it's It's back to balance again (laughs) how do do we find it it takes time yeah it takes time as you know Debbie and we all know this and uh, uh, the judging if I think the judges should be uh, judging and we should know what the judges give which ones are the high mark which ones are the low mark that would put a lot of pressure on them and not that they don't have a lot of pressure, but that would put a lot of pressure on them. And they would uh, be wanting to do the best because it will reflect on them, not just on the skaters. So, well, you know, uh, I don't know how they can do it, but uh, that's something. Yeah, that's another question of balance. There is probably, you've heard this too, the, other, the flip side of that argument is by making the judges anonymous, uh, they feel the ISU um, has argued that that does give the judge more freedom so that they are not judged by their own organization, their own country, that they can call it as they see it. Uh, I think that jury is going to be out for a while, Don. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're right, because what you're saying, I can understand, you know, it, that's good. I think that the, it's uh, much more fair now than it was when they had the uh, the school figures, let's say, because yeah. no one could see the school figures. But in uh, now, 
they can see everything. They can see the the uh, TV coverage after. And in fact, I go back to my own time. I didn't realize it, but if I had uh, put my foot down on that triple S or touched down, the TV would have seen it because that was the first year why we sports covered our figure skating. Right. Right. I'd forgotten that. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy how it's evolved. Let's let's talk a little bit about it's your showbiz days. I'd love to hear more about Ice Folly. Okay. Was it was it a great time and a great experience? Yes, I enjoyed the Ice Follies. Uh it it was a good show, like there's Ice Follies and there was Ice Capades at the time. And uh, we all went out there and we skated. I, unfortunately, for many years, I only was able to skate one number, my uh, my uh, free skating. And, of course, when I skated that number, I put everything in because it was, uh, they hired me because of what I did in uh, the world championships. And I didn't realize that, I remember after three years, they, I wanted to have my contract renewed, and, and they said to me, well, Don, uh, you know, you should uh, you do a double axle out there, and there's no reaction. And uh, I thought to myself, well, that's right. And uh, so in any case, uh, they, they hired me again, and I enjoyed it. But uh, I, fi- I realized that uh, I wasn't, uh, giving the audience a chance to show their appreciation, and because in my day we just skated with uh, our what well, we called the monkey suits, but we couldn't put our arms over our head because we'd lose our neck with the the collar coming up on. It was like wearing uh, a suit, and uh, so in any case, uh, we uh, and the, I just kept my hands down and kept them. I'd never turn them over. But then I found out that, well, you know, if I presented myself, did my jump, and then turned my arms, hands up, and said, come on, here, audience, I'd get a reaction. So the next night, I went out and I did my double axle, and the bosses were sitting in the front row, and I turned my hands up, I got a good applause, I looked at the boss, and continued my program. And I was so happy, I found out that, you know, I wasn't. I was doing what I was uh, hired to do, and that was to skate a program like I did in the the World Championships. But nowadays, the skaters are skating like they're skating in the shows because they've got television, they've got the audience, and they they know that there's more than just doing the jump and yes. satisfying the the uh, judges. But getting back to the ice show. Um, <clears throat> We were, uh, I was only, I only skated one number and then I skated a dance number later on with one of the skaters and the, all the principals did that. But uh, it was, it was difficult because uh, the Shifstead and Johnsons were selling ice follies and that was their job. And so the skaters were, you know, second to ice follies. And uh, it was uh, a little bit hard. We were always fighting to, you know, to be recognized. However, um, Shifts and Johnson were just doing their job. They were wonderful people. And uh, 
all of the skaters, we all got to get, we all loved one another. We got along very well. We're good friends for to this day. So, uh, you know, it's more or less the same. But I went the other day to uh, Scott and Tessa's Rock the Rink, and uh, that was in Oshawa. And all the champions were there, and they are all presented for what they had done. It was wonderful. I got a lump in my throat. And then to see them all skate together, no jealousies, nothing, just out there doing their best, working together, putting on a fantastic show. And uh, it, it it made me feel really good. And uh, I'm, I'm, that's the way it should be. And, I well, I wish... Uh, that you know, in in our day, that they that they had uh, the same thing for our show, Shift and John's Ice Follies. But we had entertainment. We had to have the line, the chorus line, which was entertained. We had the children's number, where the little kids would go on a sleigh or something on the ice. We had the comedy, which is important. They're all important parts. But because of television and. Uh, uh, the way things have moved, I think that the the well, they don't have those ice shows anymore. They just have the the shows that they have, like uh, Scott and Tessa's show tours. And uh, it's yeah, it's it's wonderful to see. It's just a change. Well, Don, you you have dedicated your life to the sport. Not only uh, in competition and then in follies, um, you've had a tremendous teaching career. Uh, you've appeared all over the world uh, representing yourself and the sport so admirably. Are there one or two outstanding memories as a result of skating I mean of course winning the world championships but beyond that give me a couple of ideas well um, I think that uh, in my skating career I was uh, out uh, skating in many little clubs after I finished with the Ice Follies. I was starting to teach skaters in competitions, and uh, Stan Bohanik, I taught, and he went to the Olympics. Uh, he was one of the Canadian skaters, but then uh, I was working with uh, uh, Osborne Colson, and uh, and uh, Patrick Chan was, uh, uh, I, I didn't realize it, but Patrick Chan, when he was a little boy, he was... Uh, five years old and he was in from Ottawa and I was uh, director of skating at the Minto Skating Club and uh, he was in a can skate class that I was in and I didn't know it you know all these little kids they're skating and his mother told me that uh, many years later that uh, she remembers me uh, doing uh, being his first coach and teaching him uh, stroking around the ice and crossovers and uh, I said can I use that and she <laughs> said yeah and they laughed about it and I said that's why he's such a good uh, free skater look at those beautiful strokes and well when I went to see Rock the Rink he skated fantastically yeah, I was really very impressed with him in fact I was impressed with the whole show 
uh, as I've said. And uh, yes. now I've been teaching a little learn to skate program at uh, the Forest Hill Skating Club in Toronto. And uh, I, I like I was teaching the uh, other skaters too, uh, along with the other coaches. I didn't have any students that were uh, all mine because it wasn't fair to them. If I was skating shows, which I was doing a lot of, uh, and doing seminars to say, oh, excuse me, now I have to leave you when it was the time they were supposed to be getting ready for the next competitions or the new jumps that they're going to be doing. So I got more into the the skating seminars and shows, and now I'm teaching, as I said, at, at Forest Hill and uh, teaching the little kids, and that way I can pass them on to the coaches who are teaching the competitors and traveling around to all these different competitions. Certainly I go to see them in the competitions, but, you know, I like to have my freedom because I've got 12 grandchildren and uh, seven children and a a wonderful wife here. And so uh, I want to have time with them. And so I've been doing that. Now, I've been off the ice for a while because I was teaching there and for no reason at all my feet came out from under me and I went down and I I got a concussion. This was about oh, uh, uh, yeah the 5th of this past month of November and uh, <clears throat> I'm fine now except I'm staying off the ice until the new year and uh, I'm looking forward to getting back and being able to go and uh, uh, work with the kids let them have fun, get them to stand up. Uh, as you, as I have always said, when you stop falling, you stop learning because you're not trying anything more difficult than you're able to do. And so I think that falling is a big part of the, of the sport, learning how to do that. And uh, these little kids, they just, I think they keep me young. And uh, I also, I wasn't able to skate. I skated with uh, Kurt Browning and did a, sh- a show with him about three years ago uh, for Stars on Ice. And uh, he was he skated down to my level. It was nice of him. <laughs> but it was, uh, I, I skated uh, Stars on Ice uh, in Toronto and Hamilton. And uh, then he went on the tour and I stayed and, and uh, taught. And then I had a problem with my leg getting through. It wasn't because of that, but it was... Uh, all my landings of my jumps from all those years, uh, my hip was just hitting, crumbling, and it was bone on bone, so I had to have a, a new hip, and I was told I'm not allowed to jump anymore. So my hip is perfect, but I'm not allowed to jump, especially when my wife's watching me. <laughs> and the other coaches at the rink because they they know what my wife has said. But no, I'm I'm not going to jump because it's uh, it's silly. And uh, now with this concussion, I'm going to take care of myself. And when I go back, I might be an example for the older coaches to wear a helmet because I'm going to wear a hockey helmet when I teach those little ones because they come up and they hug you and they don't realize they they're grabbing your legs and sometimes you can go down. But when I went down for uh, this concussion, it was nobody's fault. It was just mine. I just the feet went up and down I went. But I'm well, fine and I'll be fine and I'll be back teaching little kids. Well, Don, I'm sorry that you've 
had to go through that bit of a setback. But uh, glad you're on the road to recovery. And thank you so much for chatting with us today, sharing your memories and some of your insight. Um, You've certainly contributed so much to the sport of skating, not just in Canada, but around the world. Congratulations on all those accomplishments. And thanks. We'll see you at the rink. Yeah, well, thank you, Debbie. And all I can say is always have fun skating. Love it. I agree. Thanks, Dawn. Today on the Alumni Blog, Debbie Wilkes visited with one of the sport's greatest champions, Don Jackson. From recognition at international skating hotspots to the local arena, Don's life has been dedicated to skating and to the people who have supported him in his quest to be the very best at every level of involvement. Till next time, I'm Alex Kilby at Skate Canada, and I invite you to subscribe to the alumni podcast that you just listened to. That way you won't miss any future episodes that we release on a monthly basis. If you head on over to alumni.skatecanada.ca, you'll find this episode and all past episodes. You'll see a button that says subscribe. If you click on that, it will take you into Google Podcasts, iTunes, Podcasts, anywhere else that you might collect your podcasts and automatically receive future episodes as they're released. Another neat feature of the website at alumni.skatecanada.ca is that you can actually leave comments and discuss discuss the topics we, we share on the podcast, but also in the blog posts that are shared on that same site. So learn more about our entire alumni community again by logging into alumni.skatecanada.ca and I hope you'll join us next time on next month's edition of the Alumni Podcast. <laughs>